What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Low Side Podcast. Uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. I'm excited to announce my guest, uh, but just wanted to drop a couple little pieces of information, kind of where we're at and what's going on. Um, spent the last, oh, six days uh, in Mexico, Cancun, Mexico. Uh, went down there with my wife. Uh, got away from the negative temperatures here in the Midwest and really just laid on the beach, ate a lot of food, um, enjoyed a lot of cold drinks, and fortunately was able to play around a golf. So I was able to play the Secrets Playa Mujeres Golf Club. It, uh, it is a Greg Norman design course, um, and I wasn't sure what to expect going into it, but I was really impressed, actually. Um, really good condition, really good layout. I hadn't played since September, um, but hit the ball really well and, and played with some guys who were competitive as well. So um, fun round, ended up shooting a 79 with four birdies which also means I left a lot of shots out there. So I think two, two three putts or three three putts and a couple triples helped bring that up. But uh, very, very pleased with the temperature and the course and the, the quality of play after it's been so long. And then secondly, I got home and on my doorstep was a package from uh, one of our suppliers who delivered big time when it comes to hats. Um as many small businesses can probably attest to, um, just figuring out who to partner with and, and who to get your products from is a huge challenge. And we finally had somebody deliver on what they said they could deliver. And the quality was exactly what we were hoping for. I'm super pumped to have them out there right now. If you haven't checked them out, please do uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, and they're available for purchase right now at lowsidegolf.com. Uh, and I think you'll really be pleased with, with what we're putting out. Uh, on to the show. My guest today is uh, Thomas Roland, but he goes by the name Roland, uh, R-O-W-L-A-N, if you're searching on Google or Spotify or iTunes. Uh, Roland is a rapper. Um, he's from the Cape Cod, Massachusetts area, but he's kind of bi-coastal now living uh, in New York and LA, really just out there trying to turn his dreams into reality a lot like we are. So uh, I was able to catch up with Roland and learn a little bit about his career, how he got started, uh, and what he's doing to take it to the next level. So I'll let him explain all of that, um, but I think calling him a rapper is probably an injustice. I think uh, you'll be able to dictate from this conversation like I was that Roland is uh, much more of a creative than anything and, and that rapping just seems to be the art form of his choice. So without further ado, episode number 13 with Roland. I hope you guys enjoy. Take it easy and we will see you next time. I guess... Uh, We'll start with that. You just you mentioned New York. Um, what's going on? What are you doing out there? What's going on? Yeah, so I come to New York pretty often. My uh, my actual place that I live is L.A., but I come out to L.A. Uh, I mean, I come out to New York pretty often, just doing a lot of work out here. You know, um, 
making sure that I connect with all the up and comers and, you know, work with all the creatives around this area and, you know, take any meetings that I can meet up with any people, just a bunch of networking and the whole vibe of the city just is, uh, you know, it feeds me energy that I need to keep creating like I do. So where are you from originally? So originally I'm from a small place called Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It's a small little like vacation land almost all the way on the East coast, uh, East of Boston. And, um, I'm originally from there. Then I moved right outside the city and then I moved to LA, uh, three years ago. The only thing I know about Cape Cod, man, is the Cape Cod baseball league. Yes. They, they have a lot of good people that come out of there. I know that I used to go to all the games when I was a kid. That's like a cool thing to do when you grow up on Cape is go to like the games. We used to go to the Mariners games and just watch like the, uh, the upcoming, the upcomers basically play. So when did you leave? Did you leave to go pursue music or did you leave growing up? Oh, uh, no, no, no. I left when I was 21 uh, just because I felt like uh, I wanted a new culture in my life. I wanted to go to L.A. and see who I could network with, see how I would grow as an artist if I did move to a big city like L.A., you know? And um, it was just a move. It was just what I felt the best move was, and it was for the music stuff. So speaking of music, when did... When's the first time you remember like putting the pen to paper or singing in front of people or or putting a rap together? What comes to mind when I ask that question? Yeah, I would say the first time I started with that that dude Brandon that you spoke to, my manager right yeah. now. He is um I actually we went to high school together and freshman year we were on the basketball team just really close and um he had an iPod touch and he had a bunch of instrumentals on his computer so we just took the little microphone on the iPod touch and literally just both wrote verses as a joke and then we did another song another song and um me and him lost touch for a little bit because I went to another school and then I just kept creating and um we linked back up and then music was kind of a, a little behind the where we're at right now, but still pretty big. So he was like, let's get on deck and um, let's do that. So I started with Brandon on an iPod touch and it's funny that we come full circle and now he's my manager and we're both living in LA, you know, that's awesome. Um, it's always your boys, man. It, it It's cool when your mm-hmm. boys can see it from the, the bottom to the top. 100%. And that's so the first time I, I should just to kind of loop back, it was 2008, the first time that I actually did this music stuff. Like, as a joke or not, that's the first time it actually became a thing, you know? And then when did you get in front of people and, and put yourself out there? Um, I would probably say I did it honestly from the jump. First, it was my small circle, then I started pushing on social media, like MySpace at the time, and just put myself out there as an artist. And I would say it's been a steady growth, but I, I was, like, very bad. I had no flow, no no cadence. I was always deep, but I didn't have what I would call a good style until, like, 2014, 13. And why do you think – what do you think turned that switch? I think it was over time just consistency and listening to a lot of the people who I idolized and kind of learning what they do and how they do it. And I think it was just a matter of me finding myself, you know, me growing into a more charismatic, like uh, uh, more into a brand than a person. So I think it was just how serious I took myself and when I was actually a good enough brand to actually put out there to the next level of, you know, people. And I, you mentioned people that influenced you. Um, who are you? Know anybody, or who would you say it's kind of influences your music and your style? 
Well, at the time when I was trying to learn flow and like learn how music should go, Drake has been that dude. So I was really studying Drake, uh, really studying J. Cole. I really come up heavy on, I came up heavy on J. Cole, his early mixtape days that like crafted me into the artist that I am. And a lot of this dude named John Connor, he's a, he signed to Aftermath, but he doesn't really do much anymore. But like I was just kind of steadily studying those three for the most part and just really, you know, taking pieces from each of them and seeing how I could be my own brand, et cetera, et cetera. But Drake definitely helped me with the flow and the subject matter, that type of stuff. J. Cole just helped me become like a different human. And then I would say Connor just showed me that it's like lyricism, lyricism, you know? So if I were to put three, I'd say those three influenced me. So I, I, you mentioned brand a couple different times. Um, to kind of talk about like in this day and age, you know, I found you probably because of your brand. Um, kind of talk about like, in this day and age, being an artist, a creative, uh, a rapper, what it means to have a brand versus what it means to just be able to sing. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's what makes people that what that's what makes the real stars. The people who are able to uh, or real independent stars of that. People who are able to take their their actual personality themselves the image that they are, whatever you want to call it, and turn it into an actual company. So it's basically just an artist is just going to write music and work really hard at that. A brand is going to find how a brand can grow more, what areas for income are with the brand, you know, what, where, where the, basically, how can you turn this artistry into an actual, uh, you know, a dollar amount, you know, something that uh, honestly like fills your pockets. And that's what's going to determine an artist from a brand to me anyways. And how long have you been going at it full time on the music? <clears throat> Say it again. How long have you been full in uh, career wise, you know, making a living, like you said, with the music? Um, I would say the actual income and like the, the bigger checks, the checks that are livable or just that that are sustainable for me um probably 2000 honestly 2016 nice so you're going on year two of of kind of having your feet under you and, and oh, really actually, yeah having a sustainable income from the music correct nice nice and so you mentioned being out in new york city and kind of taking meetings and and doing some just hustling really from what it sounds like what's a day in your world Absolutely. look like so for everyone who does listen to this, they should all check out my vlog. I kind of have like this YouTube where I just kind of throw my days into vlogs, kind of like a lot of the other personal branders are doing. But um, day in my life, honestly, is kind of like <laughs> I'll wake up either, depending if I have anything to do, I'll wake up at like 11 and like because I go to sleep real late and then I'll go grab some food. I'll grab some coffee maybe. I'll do some writing. Um if there's any meetings, I usually get them done in that time frame, and I get out of the house, you know, clear my head a little bit more. Then I get back in the house, and I'll do more writing, more writing, some recording probably, and then I'll eat dinner, and then honestly, probably either see if I can get out of the house and do something or, uh, you know, get back to writing and recording and then sleep and do it again. Like, I don't really have much in between the meetings, between the writing, between uh, traveling, because I do traveling, I do travel a lot, and that fills up a lot of my days. You know, like, if I'm taking a flight from um, from Boston or New York to L.A., I mean, that's a six hours. It's pretty much, that's a good portion of my day, you know? So it's all, it's literally all about recording and writing and, 
And between that, I'm responding to social media people. I'm, you know, uh, checking in on other pieces of the brand like merchandise. There's always something to be done. So um, I do my graphic work as well. So if I know a couple of drops are coming, I'll get the album artworks done prior to the drops and just have it ready, you know. So I think that's that's the big thing. You do, you do that work yourself, design-wise? I, yeah, the album artwork and the animations that are on YouTube, I, I do those myself. So those are very time-consuming pieces. Thinking about possibly like looking for someone to do that in the future, but that's just been a very uh, a big passion of mine to create all my own artwork and stuff like that. You know. So you're an artist in more of the sense than you know you you put pen to paper and and then you record it. You you can draw and do all that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I draw digitally. I don't actually like draw on paper. But yes, I also do that stuff. It's just it's fun for me. You know. Have you always been interested in that, or is that something like as you've gotten older, you just kind of figured out on your own? I mean, I think I honestly started figuring it out for financial aspect because the more I can do alone, the less overhead we're going to have, you know, the more laser-lined everything is. I don't have to wait on somebody else to breach a deadline. I don't have to, you know, put my faith in anybody else for my actual drop. I can get ready when I'm ready to do it and do it. But um, that's been something I've been very interested in since a kid. I always loved drawing and stuff, and it, come, it came full circle. And nowadays I make all my own art- artwork, and then it's at my time, then it's at my dollar expense. So, you know, that's what it is right now. I like it, man. Someday someday <laughs> um, it'll make sense to, to do it outsourced, but right now you're just grinding. Absolutely, man. It's like... Yeah, I mean, as long as uh, as long as I can do it, true. Um, speaking of like hustle and all that, I where I found your content and your name, and then found your SoundCloud was from uh, Gary V on the Gary V Show. Um, okay. Well, what did that do? I guess what did just being able to sit down with him kind of what did that do for you personally, and then how did that kind of help you career wise, just getting that kind of exposure. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I mean, when I sat down with him, it was just, um, it was cool how he found me organically. I didn't have to like hit him up and like get my music in front of him. Like he found me organically through SoundCloud, through his, uh, photographer, videographer, D-Rock. So, um, that's a really organic, just real connection him and I have, uh, me and D-Rock and me and Gary because just a really good crew over there. But, um, it did a lot for my exposure. Like as soon as, I started, uh, he started listening to, me to, listening to me so regularly, he started posting me on his Instagram, and that got me a huge, a huge amount of followers from him and his ways, and the cool thing about that is, like, his followers are, like, cult followers because he speaks real stuff, and stuff that people really identify with, so when I got all those followers, that was a huge leap in my fan base because they're just organic followers who love my music for my music. So that was a huge thing. And the meeting was definitely a, a good experience. You know, I got to get like a little somebody who's um, up higher. I got to get got to get his feedback and whatever he thought about everything I was doing. You know, so that was a cool sit down. And it was just cool to have somebody where I listened to his audio book to learn how to brand myself. Hit me up on the phone like, hey, let's have a meeting. Like, dope. Yeah, talk about coming full circle. Exactly, it's crazy. Um, so you're in New York now. When's the next time you're going to be performing? Performing? Or are you um, just in the studio grinding? You're going to be in front of a group of people, or are you just doing stuff kind of independently right now and then putting it out? Yeah, I just I just set my little fucking I just oh sorry about the swear. I'm a, no, I you're swear you're good, bro. Yeah, you're good. You, absolutely, you can swear. 
Okay. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. So I basically just, um, what was the question? <laughs> I got sidetracked. I didn't know if you had any like performances lined up. Um, I'm oh, think I'm thinking about no people like, yeah, I just uh, have my little setup and I set up wherever I'm, wherever I'm at in New York for the day or wherever I travel, but I'm not doing anything with the studio and I'm not doing any performances until like my next wave of a uh, fan base comes just because I don't really want the in between that that stage where you have to promote the hell out of your shows for a bunch of people who will never come to your show anyways, just because it's not, you know, geographically ideal for people to travel from all the way from California to New York, et cetera, et cetera. So I won't be doing any shows until I have enough fan base in each city to do a show in that city. I, I do them back home, but that's it. And, um, yeah, so no performances. I do everything independent, just record my stuff and send it out to Caesar for mixing, who's my uh, full-time engineer. So for anybody listening that's interested and hasn't heard any of your stuff yet, where can they go find you? Um, I would look Spotify and Apple Music. Those are those are my biggest those are my biggest ways. Or SoundCloud and YouTube. It's all just R O W L A M, like spelled in the spelled in the title, and they can type those in on Spotify and Apple Music or SoundCloud. And it's Rolling Music on um, on YouTube. So if you want to check out my channel and all those vlogs, just type that right in. Man, and when's the first? What's kind of the first thing that happened where you sat there and said like, "All right, I'm I'm." Not that I'm making it, but like I feel like maybe this is validating that I know I'm on the right track. Um, I would say when I dropped my big visual to Nikes on my feet a while back, uh, I think three, four years, three years back, or four years back, um, a big famous uh, Instagrammer, uh, my friend Paul. Well, I didn't know it was him until after, but. My friend Paul owned uh, owned an account where I a big famous account and he kept shouting me out, so all my followers were skyrocketing, and I started getting all, a, gr a great amount of feedback on the video that I was doing, and um, I feel like that time since I saw such an influx in my traffic and fan base, I knew what it was like. I knew I was doing the right thing. I was on the right track. This is what I should be doing and only thing I should be doing. Nice, nice. Um... Man, so like I mentioned, we're, we are a golf-based lifestyle brand. I always try and make this transition kind of from life and background somewhat towards sports. Um, yeah. I, I have to ask, you mentioned playing basketball. I have to ask you, right, would you call yourself a golfer or have you ever played golf before? I, I, I do mini golf pretty hard, bro. <laughs> I get some hole-in-ones and everything. Uh, no. I've never actually uh, golfed on a golf course. The only th reason I've been on a golf course was sledding, honestly, for my whole life. I like it, man. It's what I tell people all the time. I say, uh, you know, if you've played putt-putt, if you've played top golf, if you've played 100 rounds of golf, it doesn't really matter. Like, golf was just kind of the, the subject to create something that, for me, I, I think allowed me to connect with a lot of interesting people. Um, and so whether you, you've played golf a ton of times or like you said only been sledding on a golf course I, I think the brand still fits anybody so um that's cool that's funny um you said you play basketball right yeah, i would actually like to do it i would like to do it someday though you know golfing to me it seems like a i don't know i love the idea of having to use your mind for such accuracy you know what i mean i i feel like it would be fun for me and just like 
out to tea. I would love to just keep trying to get hole in one. Like that would be the life goal. You you live so in L.A., but I, I, it looks like fun. You, you know, you spend time in L.A., man. You're like in the golf mecca over there. So somebody will somebody will take you up on that at some point. I'm gonna try it, man. Um, man, I, I know you said you you only had about 20 minutes, and we're approaching that. Um, I, there's two questions I always ask everybody. Um, getting towards the end, and you I, you mentioned playing basketball freshman year. Did you play? Did you play all through high school, or? Um, I did. I played freshman and sophomore. Then um, junior and senior, I was bad as hell at school. I, I had a bunch of absences junior year and Friday, and uh, my senior year, I just failed off. Um, I just failed off the team, so I only played freshman and sophomore. But I was I was very avid about it all through high school. And, um, like, very, very into it, just always practicing, always playing. And now um, I still play to this day just for my cardio workout. You still – do you do you watch sports or, or keep up with that at all, like, culturally? Zero at all, but I do go to some games. Like, uh, a couple of my friends have season tickets and we'll just end up going to a game. So Nice. I was going to ask you – so the two questions I was ask, always ask everyone is, uh, what's your favorite sports moment that you ever played in? Is that that's the first one uh, that, that I ever played in? Yeah, um, I'm really in in basketball. I really like like making people look dumb, like breaking ankles and like <laughs> like that type of thing. Like I'm a point guard, so I dribble a lot. So I would say I would say like the end of one of my games sophomore year. I was at the school that I originally came from, and it was like it was the very end of the game, and I did this dope little crossover, and then spin move just to be flashy and made it so that we tied and went into overtime the the, impor- the important question is did you win in overtime did we win that game in overtime yeah we lost it bro we lost that <laughs> game but i had like i had like 40 something points like like it was a crazy game for me and it was my home school like where i transferred from so it was a really good feeling like even though we, even though we lost it's still a good feeling <laughs> um and then the last question i was asking everyone is what's the favorite do you have a favorite sports moment that you've ever witnessed a favorite sports moment that i've witnessed let me think um i just used to enjoy watching kobe play like crazy like i, I used to one. love watching his uh, buzzer beaters all the time but if i had to pick i didn't witness it but if i picked my favorite sports moment of all time it has to be when Vince Carter, I think it was 2003, I don't know, he was on the Raptors, and he did a reverse 360 windmill and just, like, shut it, shut the shit down. So that probably, during the dunk contest, that's a weak moment, but that's my moment. I like it, man. Hey, Vince is still playing, too. He's, like, 40-something. He, I think he's 40, and he's still killing that it. That motherfucker so. is old as shit, bro. That's crazy. He does so not. Funny. He doesn't age, either. He's still getting it. That's crazy, bro. It's crazy that he's still playing his old ass. That's nuts. <laughs> but, man, that's all I got. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, um, we're just out here trying to connect with interesting people and, and interesting stories, and I think you certainly have that. So um, I appreciate the time and, and kind of you know spending some of your story with us. It's no problem at all. Thank you for having me. I think you're on to something with the collaboration with a bunch of people here. Okay, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Low Side Podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, feedback, criticisms, uh, please reach out to me. My email address is michael at lowsidegolf.com. 
Uh, would love to hear what anybody who listened thought and any way we can do better. And lastly, if you have a guest or, or would like to be a guest, please reach out to me. Uh, we're looking for as many interesting people and interesting stories to tell as possible. Um, not always around golf, um, but, but usually with some bit of golf thrown in the middle. So uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.